So, so welcome to the show. Uh, usually we start off uh, with your name, so tell everyone what you write. Ichabod, Yme, Circle T, BMC, SFL. So where did the name come from? How'd you come up with it? I started off writing one or two other names, which I can't reveal for security reasons. Then one day, I was looking at MCES Share's signature, which was a simple rectangle cut up into block letters, M, C, E. I liked the rectangular look for some reason. I started looking at letters that were perfect for block, cause some aren't, you know, like J, P, L and so on, won't fit into a perfect square. I remember this word ik. It was funny to me because it means I in German, but in English it's this disease that aquarium fish get, this white fungus that grows around their gills. It's a real word, ik. You can go to any fish or pet store and tell them you have a problem with ick and they'll sell you the cure. So anyway I see H was perfect for that rectangular block and I started writing it as a joke. You can still find a few of those little boxes floating around on the rails, about a foot across. This is from like 97, 98. Then the name grew on me and I started trying other styles with those letters. It wasn't till 2000 one of my boys was fooling around with hand styles for my name. He was like, man, your letters suck cause it is tough to get any flow going with those letters. So he was adding extensions, it won. Ister, Ichabod, and I said, Ooh, Ichabod, I like that one. I can use that for end-to-end freights. It's hard to stretch three letters end-to-end without going top to bottom, but seven letters is nice. Plus the whole headless horseman, New England, upstate New York Halloween thing. It just sounded right, so I ran with it. Cool, so uh, tell us how you got into trains. I was into trains way before Graf. I went to school in a Midwest town, again I'm not gonna say for security reasons, but I used to walk the tracks all the time and explore shit, and I was always having to get out of the way of passing freights. They were real interesting to me for a bunch of reasons, the size, the noise, crazy dangerous chemicals they hauled, different logos and paint jobs, all the strange shit I saw by the tracks. I remember seeing a chassis system caboose go by on the end of a train, and this dude was riding the back deck, and he had a little red fire going with a pile of railroad flares. Don't know if he was a worker or a hobo. I used to gather up the discarded flares off the tracks and make fireworks with them. Some days I'd pack a lunch and walk 15 or 20 miles of track. I walked right through yards in the middle of the day. Nobody ever bothered me. I'd climb onto the roof of a hopper and eat a can of sardines and just chill. So how did that lead to an interesting graph? It didn't. I barely noticed graph on the trains for many years. I mean this is a long time ago, late 80s, early 90s, so there wasn't much on the trains yet. The funny thing is I had no concept at all of graph as a set thing where you wrote your name on stuff. But I was an artist all my life, and I think in 88 I went out on the tracks under a bridge with a can of white and a can of black and tried to paint a skull on a pillar. It was lousy paint and unprimed concrete, so it didn't work very well, and I gave up. I didn't pick up a can again until 97. What got me into writing was a wall. 
I was walking some tracks and I came to this tunnel that was a local fame spot. Burners all the way, down, full color shit, characters, everything. I was down right then. It was the first time I ever connected graph with actual art skills. I was actually more interested in characters. I was picturing I'd come down there and do skulls, crazy technical shit. But by then I grasped the idea that writing a name you picked and doing it up fancy was kind of the whole idea. In three days I had my name and my first wax sketch ready to go, a graphic design looking thing with arrows and 3D, and it was off to Toyland. Cool. Uh, what's the first piece of graffiti you remember seeing? Freights, or just in general? In general. Well, I guess the first graph other than civilian 420, Led Zepp, smoke pot stuff was on a train to Philly via New York. Somewhere north of NYC, maybe Port Chester or Greenwich or something on the Amtrak line I happened to glimpse a rooftop or bridge type spot up high. Big letters with a crown. What year was this? I'm trying not think, maybe 90, 91. But it was big letters with a crown. I just got a quick glance, and I remember thinking, that looked like a lot of effort for just graffiti. I still didn't know shit. I thought graph was just scribble. Now I'd love to know what piece I was looking at back then. And then I have to say... Every once in a while some bit of graph would jump out at me and I'd be like, whoa, and not really get what the deal was, like one time on a ride to NYC on the BQE or something, early 90s, I saw a Ford Bronco in the next lane, and somebody had painted a character on the truck cap and down the back window, like a ghost with arms grabbing the corners, and it looked illegal, but I couldn't be sure, I was like... Are criminals really painting shit on people's cars like that? I mean, I was a naive kid, kind of a late bloomer, you know? But later that was what I wanted to do to other people, kind of shock them a little out of their little world, make them go, what the fuck was that about? And have that look on their face and that vague nervousness that not everything was under control, there was this chaos going around that couldn't be stamped out. Yeah, so anyway... Freights, I know I saw a couple of things like I was just talking about, stuff that stood out and actually got my attention for a few seconds. I couldn't tell you the dates other than mid-90s, some before I started writing and some just after. I was wandering a yard in Jersey and saw a couple unfinished pieces, very blocky bar styles. There was just a fill and a filled in 3D but no outline, and it gave me this false impression. This is weird, like the way they painted it was each bar was one stroke of either a roller or wide spray gun. I didn't know shit about how to paint, that it was all spray and you did your sketch and then filled it in. I don't know, that shit threw me off. I remember a NAR the whole car rolled by me, and again there was that, what the fuck? How did they do that? Mystery like, did they actually have the gall to bring a ladder for graffiti? How do you get away with that shit? That must take forever. Now I know the deal. I got ten whole cars of my own, but at the time it still held that mystery. Which makes me feel like sometimes I think your toy days are your most fun, before you learned the process and met some of the dudes whose shit you had seen rolling or on walls and find out they're an asshole or whatever. It's like childhood, 
you're not all cynical yet and there's a sense of wonder and fun. Then 10 years later you're grinding out numbers and your boys are getting married and falling off and toys are either jocking you or crossing you out and it's almost a headache. I'm still in it because I'm addicted and it's just about all I can get out of bed for, but I kind of miss those innocent toy days. Oh, there's one more freight that I want to mention. This is right after I started in 97, I was at the North Haven Yard in Connecticut, just looking from the perimeter, and there was this Santa Fe boxcar with Dest on it, UM Crew, a real nice burner where the letters had these talons coming out of them, they looked like gnarled wood and a big demon character on the right with a battle axe, and flames all around. It was parked by itself right out in the open, like it was on display in front of this strip mall parking lot. That was style right there. That car made a big impression on me, as far as how to rock a freight, and what kinds of situations your freights might wind up in. I mean that car looked like they parked it there on purpose, just to show anybody who was in that parking lot. There were no other cars near it and it just blazed, like, fuck you. That was the first freight piece I ever took flicks of. There were some other things I got out of that car too, like a clue about process. The piece was on the right panel, and the fill looked like jade green Krylon. But way on the left panel was this jade green sketch, the start of a D, and I figured he had started over there and then changed his mind and moved over to the right panel. Also when I studied the flick I figured out that UM was the crew, and he had hit up Quake, Carr and Var, who were presumably his boys, and presumably from Connecticut because that's where I saw the freight. That shows you how little I knew about freights then. Later I found out Dest was from much farther away, like West Coast, and that impressed me that your shit could go cross country. So who are some of the writers who influenced you in the beginning? Nobody influenced me really, I was just tired of living on the street. Had to get up off that. Nah, I'm playing. Little Biggie Small's humor there. I would say early on none of my influences had anything to do with letters or style, just the fact of getting up in general, so Gilroy was here was as important as any irregular writer I could name. Some of the first freight and even wall pieces I saw around that time were very much in the piece with character tradition. A monk piece with a monk character for the O, a wizard b-boy with the gun next to a fill on a CV flat, that desk freight with the demon, and a coso stamp on an intermodal with a housewife face next to it. I liked the look of having a face with the name. I knew right away if I had a character with my shit it was going to be a skull. After that I would say influences began and ended with Lee, Blade, Dondi, the Subway Cats who went big and bold with straight letters and TikToks. That was how to rock a train. It's meant to be seen rolling so it should be big and readable. Wild styles on trains didn't make much sense to me when I first started and they still don't today. People complain about my lack of progression like, he needs to switch it up, all his shit looks the same. But that's why people know who I am. If Coca-Cola changed their logo every week when they first started out, they never would have made it. I don't have anything to prove style or skill-wise on the rails. If I want to display technical skills I'll rock a photorealistic character or something. Once in a while I'll try some new shit on walls, but I don't do many walls. 
I just don't enjoy it as much, it's like a chore to finish an 8 hour wall piece. And today it's easier to flex on walls with all the euro paint and soft thin caps. It's not my thing. I'd rather be blasting a rail box with roast lamb. If I get tired of TikToks and skulls, I'll do something else. But it hasn't happened yet. Tell us about the skulls. How'd you get started doing those? I've been drawing skulls since I was maybe eight. Before that it was army men shooting each other or oil tanks exploding or car crashes or some visual chaos. But I always came back to skulls. It ties in with my Dungeons and Dragons days. There were always illustrations of skeletons in rusted armor rotting where they had fallen and I copied a lot of those. You could go so far as to name Dave Trampier, Dave Sutherland, and Errol Otis as early art influences, the dudes that did a lot of the D&D &D illustrations. I'm down with death. I've always accepted death as natural and inevitable, and considered life kind of a race to fit in as much cool shit as possible before the worms tax your flesh. So it feels right to put up skulls. One night I did a freight with a skull whose face was a clock. I was thinking I got three freights that night for a career total of 800 or whatever, but how many people had the Reaper tapped on the shoulder that night worldwide? So I wrote, Death reps harder, next to the piece. I guess skulls are in lately, I'm seeing them on clothing everywhere. I need my own skull clothing line, except it'll be played by the time I get my shit together. I want to do a skateboard deck too, nobody's tapped me for that yet. Do you skate? No, I absolutely suck. I did a standing ollie once after a hundred tries. I can't even roll down a flat street without falling over. But a lot of my friends skate and I like to watch people with skills and I've painted a couple skate parks. Who's the first rider you met? Learn HBT. I was a solo toy for two years before I met anybody other than scaring some kids out of a couple piecing spots when I went down to take flicks of stuff. But I was online on one of the early graph sites and made some comments, he guessed who I was, he had seen my early shit around. We did the internet are you a cop email dance and met up in person in 99. Do you remember your first train? I had a slow start on trains which maybe sounds strange because I was already down with trains before I started writing. As soon as I started writing the first thing I thought of was well, I know all these train spots I can do. But I didn't have the skills or working knowledge of the tools, so it was like baby steps. I started with marker tags on tankers, then those little it boxes. Then finally some weak bar style letters. All of that shit was tiny, I was slow to grasp the idea of how to take over a panel and do it the right size. Probably the first train of any real significance was my first time out with other dudes. This was late 99. Me, Learn and Lack did an E2E at a spot they were already painting, but I had found on my own. I did the bar side of a red boxcar, rusto Mediterranean teal fill, black outline, white highlights, maybe sunburst yellow border. Tell us about the crews you're in and how you got involved with them. My first crew was a fake crew. I knew what the idea of a crew was, and that you put up those letters next to your piece. I didn't know any other writers, but I wanted some initials to put up next to my shit, so I wrote FD1, 
which stood for Fish Disease 1. Then a couple weeks after that first freight with Learn and Lack, Learn called me up and said he was starting a freight crew. Just the three of us at first, called by me. Does that stand for anything? It's mostly just why me, like Sam Kinison used to yell during his stand-up routine. But we tossed around a few things like year-round metal enjoyment, yards made easy, your mom's entertainment. It was me, learn and lack at first, and we later added sept, sir, journey, alki, hebe, hazel, ted and eventually some overlap with my other crews. Then as I moved around the northeast and met more fools over the years I got put down with BMC and Circle T crews. Getting down with Circle T was an honor because it dates back to 1985, when the original spray and mast were already riding on freights in Lowell, Massachusetts. Do you have a good chase story you can share with us? That's an oxymoron. If it comes down to a chase, something isn't good. I'm a ninja, so it rarely gets to that stage. There was one time about five of us were doing the yard in the daytime. It used to be chill one day a week. There was a horseshoe gap, which is what I call a spot where you're standing on a track and there's trains on three sides of you. This was a part of the yard where they stored lines of dead cars. You could hide out among the dead cars and paint the first live line next to them. I had biked in the day, and those dudes showed up a little later. They were in the gap, and I was inside the first dead car, which had no doors, so you could stand inside the dead car and paint a floater on whatever was in front of you on the next track. Another friend of ours was on the other side of the yard with a scanner. The switcher on duty made an unusual move, backing a train up all the way around the dead cars on the ladder track, so nobody heard it coming. There was a brakeman riding the last car, and he saw those dudes as he rolled past the gap on a diagonal. We all saw it a second too late and scattered. There was a strip of no man's land between their outside line and the woods, where I had a secret trail cut through a mile of swamp, but the worker was on the outside. We hid for a few minutes in the dead cars. Our friend with the scanner was cut off from us so we couldn't get word on what was going down. I crept over to the outside live line, which had stopped backing up, climbed across and stuck my head out. Way down the line there was a cop car, and I saw the cop and the brakeman hop the line to the inside. I couldn't tell if there were more cops, but right then a big gust of wind kicked up this huge dust cloud, so I used it for cover and ran across the no man's land to the trail. I jogged the trail, got my bike and rode back to town. Nobody had cell phones then, so I was sweating how they made out. About 20 minutes later I was sitting on a bench and they drove by. Everybody got out okay. We hooked back up with our scanner friend and he said the worker thought we were breaking into boxcars, so he called it in. I guess it's a pretty boring story, I've heard much better, but I approach every mission seriously, and I pay attention to my surroundings, so there haven't been many close calls. Most aboard situations are like, I'm pretty sure a worker spotted me so I bounce along a predetermined escape route and I don't wait around to see if the cops get involved, or I watch from a safe distance to see if I can go back and finish. What about a good train hopping story? I've only hopped a dozen or so times, and nothing longer than 30 miles. One day I had the perfect freight day. 
I wanted to paint this layup a half hour away, but had no car. So I got up early and took a bag of paint to the yard, waited a while and saw an eastbound getting ready to leave. I climbed onto the back of a hopper and hid in that little hole they have. It rolled east. Weather was nice and the line was real rural, so it wasn't super sketchy to be seen sitting on the back deck of the hopper. We rolled about 30 miles and the speed was low near the junction, so I hopped off right at the layup, painted a piece, had some lunch, and waited around for three hours for a train going west toward home. By then it was dark, and the westbound was going much faster, probably 15 or 18 miles an hour, which doesn't sound fast, but it's about the maximum speed you can hop. I kind of needed to be on that train, though so I ran like hell and caught the ladder of another hopper and hauled myself aboard. Then I noticed it's the wrong end of the hopper and there's no floor, so I had to hold onto the cage and sit on the brake cylinder for the 30 miles home. It was still an awesome day. That was either spring or fall of 2000. I saw a flick of the freight I painted that day pop up not too long ago. It's whack, but I don't care. Those were good memories. Who inspires you or influences you now? Nobody really. That's not a diss. I just don't pay much attention. I have a lot of respect for the people at the top of their niche. Revoke has sick pieces in high-profile spots. J.A. on his insanity level for bombing. Whether you beef with him or just spectate, you can't front on a dude who keeps coming back from arrests, beatings, stabbings, five million dollar lawsuits to smash the streets for 20 plus years. Revs ranks high in my book for originality and dedication. Some people just have a work ethic and graft that borders on mental illness. I feel like I qualify some days. One day I accidentally had a 24-hour solo freight marathon. I got up at noon, had breakfast, rolled out to my day spot and painted the three. Roll home, shower, eat, re-up my bag, get on the train, change trains out to the nighttime yard. My boys decide to stay in the city and drink, so I'm stranded, and there's no more trains back to town till 10 in the morning. I paint an end-to-end -end and two panels in the yard. The sun comes up so I stagger a mile and a half to the donut shop and sit outside like a zombie waiting for them to open. I'm the first customer. I load up on coffee and sugar and walk another mile to the other day spot. The trains are wet with dew but I wipe one down and kill the rest of my paint on one piece. Walk a mile back to the donut shop for more coffee and hash browns. Then walk the other mile to the train station, wait two hours for the first train. It's too cold to even sleep on the bench, so I just shiver. Then it takes another two hours to get home, because I have to change trains in town. I finally stumble into my house at noon, 24 hours and 7 freights later. I don't know, I got issues. I guess the point of that story, to get back to the question, is there are those dudes whose work ethic is inspiring to a degree. On style and stuff, that's where I kind of shrug. I like my thing and that's what I do. I definitely appreciate certain styles that don't come naturally to me, especially the classic wild style but readable look, like Wayne C.O.D. etc. But I wouldn't call it an influence because I'm not trying to do that. Once in a while somebody does something new and I have to give it props.
My boy journey is on some next level shit. But for the most part, there's a lot of mediocre stuff out there, even if it's not bitten. There's some original stuff, but I don't have to like it just because it's original, you know? What do you think about the internet? How much time would you say you spend on it? I think it's all been said before about the internet, that there's pros and cons. I don't sweat the cons much. Faceless shit talk? It doesn't take any ball to talk shit on the internet, so why would anyone pay attention? Don't even reply online, handle it in person. I hear complaints that it misrepresents who's up and how much. I don't get that either. Self-promo is easy to spot, and the lines don't lie. Go bench, you'll see who's up. Anyone who believes the net is an accurate picture of the real world is a fool. The lines don't lie. Go bench. Okay, the homogenization of styles and the death of regional styles is one true negative about the net, but I think that was inevitable, and I heart practitioner can still rock regional styles and stay immune to trends if they want. But other than that I'll embrace the pros. I get all kinds of flicks of stuff I missed off the net. I networked with people and met some of my earliest homies off the net. And I get to see what's going on in other cities, keeping in mind that I'll never get the full story without putting my boots on the ground out there. I love these fools who yell at each other to get off the net and go paint. You know you can do both. I just did 7 freights in 24 hours. Can I browse 12 ounce for 30 minutes? Do you have any closing words of wisdom for us? The lines don't lie. Go bench. No. I don't know how much wisdom you're going to get out of a broke unemployed dude who's been vandalizing people's shit for 12 years. But hey, stay up, stay off the numbers, learn your history, take your trash out with you, and don't go over the older stuff, whether it's classic pieces or streaks by the old hobos and workers. You better flick that shit too, the old stuff that's still running. Because its days are numbered whether it gets buffed or sun bleached or gone over by some whack toy or the car gets scrapped. I had to laugh when jailers on me in his interview about the time I drove by that centerpiece instead of stopping to flick it, because he was right. Who knew the upfees would be dead in a couple of years, or the solid colds, or any other fleet? Archive that shit. It's good that there's more people just going out and taking flicks even if they don't write but they might miss the importance of some small gems. Well, thanks for the interview. I want to shout out all my boys, Circle T, Y me, BMC, SFL, all the fools I painted with in other cities, people who gave me food or rides or couches to crash on, I've got to censor a lot of names for security reasons, but you know who you are. Peace out.